Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Press Play Lifestyle Inspired Podcast, where we do interviews with inspiring people like our new friend Anne here, as well as provide custom content on topics to help our listeners, that's you, find the resources, tools, and support you need to be your best inspired selves. So how are you today, Anne? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I feel inspired just listening to your introduction. <laughs> oh, look at that. Right. We're going to change the world. I decided to be in a good mood today. So <laughs> there you go. I like that, that attitude that it's a decision and it's optional. I like that. Yeah, I think it's true though, right? I mean, stuff happens to you, but you can choose to respond or react. I'm more of a responder. Yep. I definitely incorporate that a lot into the coaching I do with moms. It's like, it's not just about learning the discipline technique. Like we actually need to be dealing with our mindset or it's going to be really, really hard to stay calm and upbeat while you're consequencing your kids, stuff like that. Completely, completely. So with that being said, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and so the listeners know who we're talking to today. Mm -hmm. So I'm Ann Kaplan and my business is called Mom Me. And I am a childbirth educator, a birth doula, and a parent coach. So I like to joke that uh, wherever you are in your momming journey, I've got something for you from the second you pee on that stick to the minute you're an empty nester. So um, I really help all my clients. Everything I do is online. It's all virtual. And it's all just about figuring out how to raise kids and on your own terms. Well, it's wonderful that we have virtual options right now. We've got a lot yeah. going on around the world. So <laughs> having that ability to be a mom that might be really tasked right now mm -hmm. and overwhelmed knowing they can reach out to someone um, and they'll be there is yeah. probably very reassuring. Yeah, it's a big deal for sure. I was just writing my weekly blog post and I'm like, now more than ever, we really need to be figuring out our parenting challenges because no longer do we have this reprieve of childcare or daycare or school or whatever. So white knuckling it until you get your like break from your kids is going to work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I got, I saw a really good, um, randomly good spurts of advice are like flying through the ethers. And one that I really loved and I'm glad I saw it, but right before things started changing for all of us was, um, remember that they're your kids and try very hard not to make them feel like them being home is a burden mm -hmm. because they're going through something too. And if they're like, if they keep hearing you complain about, oh my God, I have to take care of my kids all day, every day now. And mm -hmm. oh my gosh, my kids are in the way and I'm trying to work. Um, they hear that. And right. while it might not have been personal, they're little and they... Yep take it that way. So that was one of the ones that I thought, what great advice anyway, but right. certainly one to try to yeah, hold on Something to. I say all the time to um, myself, because I'm a very cynical and sarcastic person, like kids don't get sarcasm. So even if you're just venting or saying, you know, something that in jest, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to kick my kids out of the house. I can't stand it anymore. You know, whatever. That's doesn't, if that gets taken literally, it doesn't make sense in the way that we think it makes sense from our perspective and stuff like that, which does not mean that I think parents should stop being cynical and sarcastic because <laughs> I got, I got to get my snark on or I can't make it through the day, but right. sometimes you just need to be aware of your audience. That's all. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. My husband is, um, he's very, he's, he's witty smart and very sarcastic. Mm -hmm. And like, sometimes I don't even get it. I'm like, I'm going to pretend I'm laughing. I'm not really sure. Yeah. But I know the littlest guy, <laughs> our six-year-old, he's just like, oh, 
daddy doesn't like me. I'm like, no, 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 no. That was totally a joke. Bad joke, bad joke. And then my husband's like, no, I was kidding, dude, you know. But I could totally see. You made me think of a story when my oldest was um, maybe like a toddler or something. Uh, I used to say all the time, like, oh my God, the kids will not stop badgering me or quit badgering me or whatever. My son came up to me with some Lego plane he had made and he had put like all these like guns along the top and he goes, mom, look, this, this plane has six badgers. <laughs> I was like, okay, so. Might be overusing I, that one. I think I might have accidentally made you think something means something that it doesn't. And I probably should have said that in front of you. And, oh, oh, yeah. We're all, we're just trying to figure it out. Right. So. With that being said, could you just tell us a little, what is the mommy experience? Mm -hmm. Like, what does that mean and how do you use that in your work? Right. So I think today we kind of want to focus more on parenting than birth stuff. So I'm just going to kind of talk about that. Um, so when clients work with me, they get complete comprehensive like parenting discipline um, curriculum. So we, I use a lot of love and logic in the work that I do, but I also have my own stuff too that is really just about empowering kids to take ownership of their own experiences. It's a lot of natural consequences and it's a lot of delivery with tons of love and compassion. Um, and that's kind of like the secret sauce of making all of the um, discipline work that I do stick and be healthy and actually positive for kids is the way that we deliver those consequences and things like that. And then I also work a lot in two other areas. Um, I call them mindset and management. So I would say I work in three areas, mindset, momming, and management. Momming is the stuff that everybody thinks they're hiring me for, like how to consequence their kids, what, what to do and how to react when your kids are misbehaving, how to only say things one th time and not have to repeat yourself over and over again, all that stuff. That's that momming piece. But I've learned from my own personal experience and in teaching this stuff that unless we're working in the mindset and management stuff too, the momming is just not going to happen. I can tell you until I'm blue in the face, like get, deliver this consequence of love and empathy. Don't repeat yourself, whatever. But if you're feeling super depleted and exhausted and overwhelmed, or you're like crushing yourself under a big weight of mom guilt, your life is disorganized, you're doing everything all by yourself, like you're not going to be able to do any of the stuff that I'm teaching you when it comes to parenting. So mindset is huge and it's really about like redefining in general. Like if I have to say in a nutshell what that mindset piece is, it's about redefining what we think our job is as moms so that we don't constantly feel like we're letting our kids down or not doing right by them or failing as parents or whatever. And Management is literally the nuts and bolts of how you run your house. So anything from rules and chores, a schedule, the routine your family has, who does what, delegation, like getting childcare in there, perhaps having a cleaning lady, meal delivery service, like whatever it is so that you're actually managing your family. You're not the peon that's pulling all the levers and doing everything. Like you're actually managing a home, which is a very big, like high level executive functioning job it is not the you don't have to be the one who cleans the toilets you just have to be the one to make sure they get clean kind of thing it's like ceo of your own household right exactly right and like getting a like a promotion from like the maid to the CEO. right and because that's, and that's another cool. mindset piece too it's like are you a grunt worker or are you the boss of your family you you know 
it doesn't have to be you doing everything to have to make sure it gets done and i can't tell you how many moms i hear say like well if i don't do it no one's going to do it or if i don't do it it's just going to get done wrong or whatever and it's kind of it's literally that management analogy holds true all across the board it's like have you ever had a job where someone was micromanaging you all before? Like that doesn't work. Companies don't work that way. Businesses don't function well that way. And a home doesn't either. So um, really making sure that you're in a management position in your family instead of just like this downtrodden grunt worker is huge. And I think it's uh, self-fulfilling too. You said, talked about mindset and management working together um, and momming kind of being more the process, the processes, right? Where if you feel like a slave, if you feel like a grunt worker, if you don't feel empowered, that's yeah. what you're doing. Right? Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you can see how all three of these pieces fit into each other so clearly. If you have a bad and a negative self-concept, if you feel badly about yourself and your worth and all that stuff, it's gonna be really hard for you to step into a management role. And it's going to be really hard for you to believe that you actually deserve to have time by yourself and pursue your own hobbies and have a life outside of motherhood and all of those things that we all need just to be able to feel like complete and fulfilled humans, which is the biggest gift we can give our children in the end. I think one of the things that I love that you said, which we learned the hard way through six years of ABA therapy with my daughter, who's on the autism spectrum was this idea of natural consequences. Um, because um, in the disability community, we call it dignity of risk, which means you have to let your special kid fall and skin their knee, just like you have to let your not special kid fall and hurt themselves. And it came down to, if it hurts, they won't do it again, right? Mm -hmm. If they eat all of the Pop-Tarts and now the rest of the week they get oatmeal, right? Yeah. <laughs> because they had 20 pop tarts that day. Yeah. Um, then the natural consequence becomes the, the discipline. It becomes a part of the behavior. So you're not always actually the bad guy. No, that's the beauty of natural consequences when they're actually delivered lovingly. You are your kid's biggest fan, even while you're delivering this like unfortunate outcome to them. And I completely agree with what you're saying about, um, well, twofold, that natural consequences are the thing that does the teaching. And second of all, that everybody, including kids that have special needs or neuroatypical or have challenges in life, we all deserve to get to make our own mistakes and experience that and all of that stuff. I can't tell you just how many um, parents I talk to who have kids with either disabilities or special needs or whatever, even things as simple, simple, quote unquote, as allergies or diabetes or whatever it's so hard as mothers not to see our children through the lens of their shortcomings quote unquote and pretty soon like we're the ones who are allowing their those certain aspects of them to define their childhood and define their identity in ways that are just so um you know, not serving them at all. And a not huge power. Yeah, right? It's yeah. not empowering. Exactly. And when it comes to natural consequences, a huge principle behind all the discipline work I do is that human beings learn best through experiences. And when we swoop in and rescue our kids or remind them over and over or give them a lecture or whatever, we're really just getting in the way of them having the experience that would have taught them the lesson. I mean, even 
look, look at like a rat in a maze. They're not even a human. And we can see how do they learn where the treat is by screwing up over and over and over again, going down all the dead ends and making all the wrong turns. And then pretty soon they realize, oh, the next time I go through this maze, I'm going to go this way instead. And nobody um, tries to t teach the rat that thing. Nobody tries to save the rat from going down the wrong way. You know, it's just, that's how learning happens. And we're constantly interrupting that process because of fear as parents and especially kids that have um, higher needs. We are so afraid that they're going to hurt themselves or that they're going to not get the lesson and just feel sad or, you know, on and on and on and on. And our fear and, I mean, really just tremendous love for our children almost winds up tripping us up in parenting so often. And I think what we found, which was, reassuring and maybe others might find it the same was she doesn't always get it when we tell her right but she does get it when she experiences it so right. natural consequences was actually um neurologically something that occurs and right. so no one had to explain to her how you know now of course we're not letting her stick her hand in the fireplace right right um but if she trips and falls six times over that same toy the seventh time she picks the toy up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If I told her six times, she kind of like looks at me and is like, what? You know? Yeah. It's and almost it's like we're distracting them from the actual learning opportunity, the lecturing, the, you know, yelling sometimes of getting really frustrated and everything. It's just, it's literally like a thought interrupt for the kid where the logical train would have occurred on its own for sure. Mm -hmm. But sometimes people get confused with natural consequences where they think that means that you just sit back and like don't do anything and just let everything unfold however it's going to. And that's not true. So like you said, first of all, we have to protect our kids from like things that are just what I like to say are above their pay grade. Like I'm not going to just put my four-year-old in the kitchen and tell him to cook dinner because like natural consequences, you'll figure it out once you light the house on fire and burn all your skin off of your body. Like, no, that's above your pay grade. You're not ready for that yet. But then also, um, we sometimes have to engineer a natural consequence. Like, oh, when you throw a tantrum or you fight with your sibling, you need to be alone for a little while. Like, that's a totally natural consequence that you have to still implement as a parent. It's not just going to happen. So it's important for people to know that natural consequences isn't like a laissez-faire approach to parenting at all. It's very mindful and it's very intentional. It's just always handing our children's problems back to them with tons and tons of confidence in them and love and letting the that be the thing that teaches you're still teaching you're just teaching through a different modality really yeah and I think um another I love that I think you used the wording this way or I heard it this way which was um it's very empowering for us for our children to learn it themselves right when they're like wow I did this thing, it hurt, I'm not gonna do that again. But they did that, they get to own the success of, of that learning. But if, right. and it's, it's, it's actually harder to watch them fall than mm -hmm. yell at them 12 times. But yelling right. at them 12 times, I'm now I'm mad, they're mad yeah, at exactly. And neither one of us learned anything, right? <laughs> no, everybody's no, just it's mad. totally true, it's like, totally yeah. true. I think, so often our intervention as parents is really about assuaging our own bad feelings. Like, oh, that's really frustrating or that makes me worried or that makes me scared or whatever. And it's like, 
in a really weird way that's kind of selfish. Like it's not about us, right? Like we are the ones who have to sit and sit on our hands while our kids screw up or take forever to do something we could have done in one minute. You know, we're the ones who have to bite our tongues and all that stuff. And you know, that's okay. Like it's supposed to be, if it has to be hard, it should be hard for us, you know, in that sense. And um, you know, the kid's hardship isn't putting up with us. A kid's hardship is experiencing like, oh wait, I that was a really dumb decision I just made and darn it. Now I don't get to have dessert or darn it, I lost my thing or you know, whatever it is, you know, that's their hardship. Um another example very similar um that we learned again the hard way, I guess, was when my daughter gets to a point where she can't function within a loud environment or at a store and she gets mm-hmm. very upset and has a meltdown, which mm-hmm. I guess somehow that's a special word, but mm-hmm. she's overwhelmed, right? By right. The, when we first experienced that, I remember feeling and thinking, oh my gosh, what are other people thinking we're doing or what are other people? Um, but really what I've turned to now, and it's been eight years, but is she needs some kind of different support. Mm-hmm. she's in pain or she's mm-hmm. something is occurring to her that needs her to be taken care of. Right. And I think when we weirdly shift to doing what we thought we were doing, so we shift to our perspective to our child's need instead of us, it actually is easier. Right. Oh, yeah. It's, it's just, we, I don't know why we're programmed the other way. We think we're doing everything for our kids, but really doing everything for them is, is, taking away the dignity of their risk and taking away their learning experiences. Mm-hmm, um, totally. Why is it harder though? I wish <laughs> why is it well, harder to think of them? I think it's not, it's just human nature. Like we are a creature, like we are creatures of biology and biologically it is, it behooves us to put ourselves first. And we do, we're programmed to do that. And even our children, our progeny, which is, if you look at, like, if you believe in, like, genetic theory and stuff like that, like, if you want to make that, like, the end-all, be-all, like, genetic theory says that progeny is, like, the whole point of existence. And e- But even then, self-preservation comes first unless you consciously choose otherwise. So it's just human nature to think about... Um, this child is embarrassing me. What do people think about me? Am I a bad mother? Like maybe I have to do it this way so that other people won't think I'm a bad mother. Like we are tribal creatures getting kicked out of the tribe is like the number one thing that we are programmed to avoid and doing things that maybe socially make us stick out and, and um, jeopardize our belonging are really hard for us to do. Even when it means that you're choosing to do right by your child and possibly like making yourself stick out like a sore thumb in a grocery store or whatever. We definitely can do that, but we have to choose to do that. It's not second nature to most people. That's just the way brains are frustrating. That's that's like a great segue um, as well to um, part of what some of the work that you do. I think that as moms, we think we're, we have our babies and we, we know everything and we know how we're supposed to do it. And I think the fact is, if you're a first time mom, you have no idea. And I'm, I have four kids. I'm a fourth time mom. I still have no idea. Like, mm-hmm. All my kids are different. They all behave. They all need me to parent them in unique ways. And as long as I show up in love and trying to do my best, um, that's, that's what, I'm, what I believe I can do. 
right that from conception to college right you're you're there as a parental support Mm -hmm. so what what kind of client can come to you or what what kind of problems might they be experiencing where you would be able to refer them to some resources or right right so people come to me at all different stages, but I would say like the vast, I have like clients, for example, with babies that are like, I don't know how to get this baby to sleep through the night. I don't know how to get this baby to um, stay, deal with separation anxiety and stay at the daycare center, whatever it is. And then all the way through like t- terrible twos and then all the tantrums and toddler times. Then I've got like school age um, kids. I don't work with the, with the kids, but parents with school-aged children are like fighting about homework and frenemies at school and all the drama and what about chores and all of that stuff all the way up until teenagers which is a whole nother ball of wax but I would say the vast majority of my clients come to me when they either have um, their kids are toddlers or early school age kind of when people because I think that we are able to kind of white knuckle it through a lot of moments in our kids' lives. Like the baby stage, it just doesn't last forever. So even if you don't really figure out how to do it, quote unquote, right, it's going to end. And even with toddler times, like it's crazy. But at a certain point, I think there's like this click that we have as like, wait a second, this is like a lifetime situation that I'm in. I can't just wait for this to pass. Like it's starting to snowball. Like, and especially if we don't, if we really don't know what we're doing at all with toddlers and their behavior is a little bit out of control and we don't figure out a plan that that's when things really do start to snowball. And pretty soon you've got a kindergartner who's just like completely like off the wall and you know, disrespectful and things like that. So that tends to be when it's sort of, it's kind of just like where everything reaches a tipping point is sort of like late toddler, early school age. Um, but I love working with clients with all different, I mean, my, my children, uh, my youngest is a six-year-old, but my oldest is 15. So I've got experience in all these different areas. I actually really love working with clients with older um, kids because we're just ex- we're exploring a whole different part of parenthood, this like existential crisis that happens when you realize like this kid is going to leave. And also like, we only have a couple years together. And why is it that our last couple of years together are the years that he is the worst human I've ever met. And I think maybe I like ruined him and you know, all of these things. So um, truthfully, my ideal client isn't about what age their kid is. It's about their readiness to not just learn a new parenting skill, but go into the dark recesses of your emotions, the things that are really holding you back. Get ready to explore and journal and talk about and cry about things like, I think I might be a terrible mother, or my children's behavior is my fault, or um, what if I totally screwed him up, or you know, et cetera, et cetera when you're ready to go there, that's when, um, that's when the big real changes happen. And that's what I love doing. Well, my kids are your kids. I have six to 14, same, same span. And the 14 is, she's the hardest. Yeah, we're right there. The yeah. I just, she's the yeah. <laughs> no, I completely agree with you. I felt like, um, yeah, really felt like almost overnight. I'm just like, who is this person and, and how did we end up here? You know? So anyone out there with teenagers, you're not alone and you're, we all feel like this. Yeah. She's an intense time. Good, but woo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
so essentially your ideal client is a parent who is looking much. to be supported in a new way. So yeah. how did they contact you then if they mm -hmm. wanted to reach out and mm -hmm. um, find out how maybe they can move forward with you as a, as a client? My, the best way to get to know me and to see what I'm all about is to join my Facebook group. If you're on Facebook, it's called real life momming. And, um, it's an awesome group. It's super no, no judgment. Everyone in there is just so nice and supportive. It might be like the last nice place in, on social media. <laughs> and every Thursday I do an ask a coach video so you can ask me anything and I'll talk about it and everything like that. And also if you're ready to actually do something right now to change your kid's behavior, the best way to do that is to get my free guide to getting your kids to listen the first time. And that's super easy to find. It's just that bit.ly slash mama guide. So those, that's the best place to get started with me, I think. Yeah, that's wonderful. So we'll make sure that all those resources are in the show notes. Mm -hmm. uh, any parting words for our audience of parents who are trying to tough it out through maybe some coronavirus? Yeah. <laughs> So I actually am working right now to do, I'm doing a training in my group on Thursday just about parenting through coronavirus because I think, well, obviously I'm, I'm basically having the same conversation with every one of my clients right now, which is like, okay, let's figure out a new plan and let's, here's what keys to success and stuff like that. And I will say that while there is real like medical risk out there, while, while there is real financial risk out there that is causing us stress. I think truthfully that the real thing that's making us all feel so frantic is this feeling of complete lack of control and unpredictability and uncertainty. And if you really want to kind of shift your mindset and actually be able to embrace this moment that we're in, that real growth is going to come from us digging in and looking those like scary demons in the eye of like, we can't control things like we could get sick. Our kids could get sick. We might be stuck at home with them for a long time. The landscape of our career might be changing. Those things are true. And the real truth is that they're always true. We never are really in control. We never really know exactly what's going to happen or can predict the future. It's just that this moment in time is making that illusion of control so much more obvious to us than it was before. So the key to like harmony, in my opinion, right now is really just getting comfortable with uncertainty and recognizing that life is just a series of unanswerable questions. And when you can get to that place, things like quietly and calmly executing a new schedule for your kids and enforcing that schedule when they don't want to follow it and all of those things become so much easier because you're not wound so tight that the slightest new problem is going to make you snap. That's great. I, I think that's great advice for us, no matter what, when, or what is going on. Yeah, um, always. <laughs> I do appreciate a, you taking time when you have all these clients with all the things going on. We'll make sure to put your information in the show notes. Hopefully other parents, it sounds like you give out lots of, lots of time. So much value. I'm all about it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Anne. We look forward to keeping in touch over the next uh, couple of months and we'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. bye.